this is Kyler Murray, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Nobody in this room is fast as this kid. He's like that little kid. You can't catch me. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it off the left side. He's at the 10, at the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Our guy is one of those that gives you a chance every Sunday, and at his best, you know, I don't know who's better in this league. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. All right, Wolf, here we go. It's 1 o'clock. Whether they have released their rosters or not, teams need to be down to 53 players. We had the clip from uh, Cliff earlier today. He talked after practice, and there was a lot of speculation. Okay, we see this guy on the field. We see that guy on the field. And Cliff's like, well, it's fluid up till 1 o'clock. Really, it's still fluid after that, but you've got to be down to 53. Uh, we had that. Somebody had tweeted out earlier that uh, Jesse Lucado was going to be on the team. Then they made that trade. For uh, for Trayvon Mullen, and according to Tom Pelissero, the Cardinals are now letting Jesse Locata go per source. Boy, okay. Uh, that would have been a surprise had he made the team, in my opinion. Yeah. That would have been a mild surprise right there, but it looks like Jesse is going to be out on the waiver wire. Um, very difficult day, of course, for so many of these guys. Um, so many dreams being smashed. Um, it's... It's really a tough day. It does fill me with a lot of energy. Again, it was like yesterday. It fills me with a lot of energy knowing that it. this is it. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to have a career launched today. Today, their career is going to be launched. And yet, at the same time, there's going to be a lot of guys today where their career is over. Yeah. And, you know, how many how many times do you know? It's over when that happens. Like how many guys, cause to me, if I were in the position, like if I were in Jesse Locata's position and if, if this really played out the way it has kind of looked like it did on Twitter, where earlier today he thinks he's making the team and now it sounds like he's not making yes. the team. I mean, if I'm Jason, Jesse Locata, I'm still looking around saying, I'm going to make a team, uh, whether it's this year and I'm, like, I'm going to find a way to make a team. But I'm sure to your point, especially with some of the vets that have been in the league for a while, they probably know, right? I mean, you didn't make the team yes. today. You know, maybe you keep trying for the rest of this uh, this training camp preseason to catch on somewhere. But at a certain point, you just you kind of know that's it. Yeah, you know what, Luke? Let, let me do this right here, base earnings. Okay, Mel, will you go ahead and bring me a beat as I broadcast here in my Dr. Dre's my beats? The year was 1988, and I was playing for the then Phoenix Cardinals. We were up in Flagstaff, of course, and that's where we had training camp, and I was sitting at the lunch table, as a matter of fact, with Stump Mitchell on my right and Otis Anderson on my left. And then there was a rookie directly across from me on the other side of the table. And suddenly, Larry Wilson came walking up behind the rookie, behind him. The rookie could not see him. And as soon as we saw Larry walking up to the table, all three of our heads went down and we started eating our cereal because we knew that Larry Wilson was the Turk as well. Suddenly, Larry Wilson reached out and tapped that rookie on the shoulder. And the rookie turned around and looked at Larry Wilson and Larry said, come see me in my office at 8 o'clock. And the rookie looked at him with a quizzical look on his face and said, but Larry, I have a meeting at 8. Oh, 
My goodness, our heads went down and we just kept eating our cereal. Eating the cereal, not even looking, not even wanting to. No, he did not say he had a meeting at eight. He did not say that right there. Larry Wilson looked at him and said, I know. Come see me at eight. Turned around, walked away, got about five steps away and turned back and said, Oh, bring your playbook. The year was 1988, and I was playing for the then Phoenix Cardinals. It's never great when they say, bring your playbook. Man, that is it. it honestly, we didn't want to say anything to the kid. You didn't, you didn't know what to say. You, you just like, okay, hey, if, uh, I don't know what happened there. I'm eating my cereal. <laughs> Hang in there, kid. It's, it's really a tough situation. And again, I was cut my 10th year. 10th year in the National Football League. And suddenly I was playing for the St. Louis Rams. And I, I know exactly what that feels like to be told, you know, it, it's over. Um, for me, it was, I was breaking down physically. It was week 12 of the season. I was a mess. Um, personal life, absolute mess with my marriage. And, and my body was breaking down. And I remember getting caught and not even caring at that point in time because I knew it was over. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine at that level to get cut at the NFL level, the NBA level, any of those, but the NFL level, obviously, because there's so many. I mean, it didn't used to be like this where you would just drop 27 guys at once. Was there ever, like, who was the player that was the hardest to part ways with when they got cut? Like, being... You know, in that room, being a pro bowler, one of the leaders in that locker room, was there a time or was there a certain player that was abnormally like harder um, when they didn't make the roster? Um, what do you mean by harder, though? Like, you know, who got for example, you know, Benjamin talked today about he has friends across the league that are going to lose their jobs yeah. and how hard it is for him to see that. Yeah, man, I'm trying to think. Um Stump Mitchell, watching Stump Mitchell actually get cut. That right there was one of the most difficult days of my life. And the reason being, of course, is because Stump um, impacted me so much. This is a guy that took me under his wing. Um, as tough as they get is Stump Mitchell. This is a guy who was small. He was 5'9", base on audience. Yeah, he was around 200 pounds, but he was 5'9", and he would stick his face right into the fryer. He did not care. I'll never forget when we went to actually work against the New York Giants. Went to, no, no, I'm sorry, it was the Chicago Bears. Yes, the Bears we actually were working against. And I'll never forget that Richard Dent was a defensive end. This isn't when you tried to fight Richard well, Dent, I, is it? No, it was a different time. Okay. And Richard Dent was a defensive end. And I'll never forget Stump Mitchell taking him on, getting in there, and blitz pickup. Okay? It was Stump Mitchell. And I said, get out of here. And he was ready to fight me because I told him to get out of there. Because he didn't, he, he was like, what? You don't think I can do this? I mean, that that's who Stump Mitchell was. I think everybody take runs at Richard Dent. There's got to be somebody else you could. The guy's last name is he Dent. Was, I know, and he was so big, Richard Dent. There's no doubt about it. Um, Yeah, you know what? I, I would say Stump Mitchell was one of those guys that was very, very tough. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any. Mark Bavaro 
Mark Bavaro, oh, in Cleveland. Mark Bavaro, a tight end right there that um, actually his knee was breaking down. And Mark Bavaro is another guy that I had so much regard for when he got cut. And it's tough, man. It really is, especially back then, because there wasn't so much movement or fluidity in the game of football back then the way there is today. All right, uh, we'll come back. We'll get deeper into what the uh, the Cardinals are and aren't doing. I just saw a tweet from Darren Urban saying that uh, Jesse Locata is probably going to be a target for the practice squad. So that's just the one name that's kind of been floating around. But obviously, they have had they've had to put these names into the league. There's not like, eh, we'll just give you another 15 minutes. Wow. So we we don't have the official word on the Cardinals roster yet, but it is set somewhere. That's uh, we'll get back into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes. The best clips from Cliff. I'm not sure why we had the Justin Bieber playing for my walk-up song. Uh, can we start this again? It's Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes. The best clips from Cliff with Wolf and Luke. For Cliff Notes, Cliff spoke after practice earlier today. If you're new to the show, of course, this is Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and some of the stuff that he said, obviously, is is changing throughout the day. In fact, he addressed that first. Uh, it's still pretty fluid um, right now, I'd say. You know, up until 1 o'clock, we're, we're going to still be moving and shaking to try and um, figure it all out. Yeah, well, it's past 1 o'clock, but uh, the official roster is not out yet. They have made a trade today, though. Yeah, and, you know, once again, just because you cut down to 53 doesn't mean there's going to be more movement um, over the next 48 hours. You will. This this roster, the 53-man roster, is going to be very, very fluid over the next two days. The trade they made was for Trayvon Mullen Jr. out of Clemson, second-round pick, 40th overall in the 2019 draft. So as Maloney pointed out, the Cardinals pretty much own the 2019 draft. Remember a couple years ago when they owned the 2011 draft? It seemed like every player they had was taken from that draft. Now you've got all these guys from the first two rounds of the 2019 draft. Mullen is a corner, played for Vegas last uh, all three years, uh, and uh, last season limited to just five games. But prior to that, Wolf, he played in 32 of a possible 32. So he is an NFL player. He's, you know, you got to, it's tough to decipher where he was on the depth chart with Vegas because he was hurt last year. But this is not some guy that's never played that you're taking a, a, you know, a flyer on. Yeah, you know, once again, this is just me. I see this more as a depth move. I think he's a legitimate guy that could be a starter as your number three corner. But I see it more as a depth move for the Arizona Cardinals only because, again, he's a second-round pick. He's a second-round pick that has started 31 of 39 games in the National Football League. Um, this is a guy that has got experience. He's 6'2", he's 200 pounds, he's long and athletic, and yet you only had to give up a seventh-round pick. That could be a conditional six-round. So you you got to temper your expectations when you see that. Taking two picks behind Cody Ford, actually, in that draft. So wow. the, uh, the Cardinals continue to add Oklahoma players and Clemson players in the case of Mullen. Cliff Kingsbury today, how he knows his starters, the guys that are already we know are going to be on the team, but we haven't seen it all in the preseason, how you know they're going to be ready to face Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs in about a week and a half. Yeah, I think just 
being in year four of the same system around the same nucleus is, is a lot of the same guys and we've got great work in practice we did it pretty much last year and came out playing really well and you look at um, you know some of the top teams that's been their philosophy in this league and it's paid off for them as well you know what Wolf I'll follow it up with this clip too from uh, from Cliff saying yeah okay the starters didn't play a whole lot in the preseason but they asked him why that doesn't worry him yeah I think as long as you get good work in practice and, and have a lot of good on good and a lot of competitive periods um, even getting to practice with Tennessee that one day was really good for us uh, the, the guys they're professionals they're going to do what it takes to be ready and uh, like I said last year I think our offense maybe had two drives um, all the preseason and came out on fire to start the season and, and so I think with the group we have level of professionalism we have in that locker room I feel really comp- confident in what they can do I have to agree with Cliff I do you know again um, if it were me personally, I man, coach, let me get in there, man. Let me get in there. I got to get a little sauce going right now. I want to get a couple of, I want to get a couple of live hits. I want to get that grease going. I want to put somebody's, yeah, I want to put it on somebody. You know, I mean, I, I would want some. You play in the off season, yeah. Some live reps, man. I would, but and uh, I think he's right. In today's NFL, I don't think you have to have that. It's not a prerequisite that you go out and you hit before you actually go into the regular season. You and I looked at each other after interviewing Cliff last season. I don't know. I think it was after the week one win over the Titans because we have Cliff on every Monday, right? When we're out there at Cardinals uh, headquarters. And we had talked to Cliff and it was it was a sort of a variation of that. You know, they hadn't played much in the preseason last year. They played more than they have this year, but they hadn't played much. And then they went out and handled Tennessee in week one. And, you know, we, we interviewed Cliff and then he left and you and I looked at each other and we're like, they're not going to play anybody in the preseason. <laughs> next year of the way. And that's basically what he just said, right? I mean, he referenced last preseason not playing guys very much and then starting 7-0. and Yeah. Now you got to do it again because if you start poorly, people are going to point and say, you know, most of the other teams at least got some reps for their guys and for the most part, the Cardinals didn't. That's the path they chose. Doesn't mean it's wrong, but hopefully it pays off with a good performance against the Chiefs in week one. What else did Cliffy say? Uh, before I play anything else Cliff said, I should throw out there again, Isaiah Simmons told us he got the green dot. Yes. So I, to stay on this for a second, if Simmons is going to get the green dot and he's going to move all over the place, why wouldn't you play him a little bit in the preseason so he could get practice doing that? Yeah, you know, I think honestly, um, you've got a guy that understands he is going to be moved all over the place. A guy that supposedly um, has mastered being moved all over the play, uh, the place. Uh, I will say that the reason why you don't want to do it, you don't want to give Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs any aid, comfort, or shelter whatsoever as to where he is going to play. I don't think the Arizona Cardinals wanted to show Isaiah Simmons at all in all three of these preseason games, and I think that has been pretty much proven. Uh, more from Cliff. They asked him if Andy Isabella or Greg Dortch has made the team. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to wait um, just because I don't want to put anything out there that changes as the steel's fluid till 1 o'clock. You read anything into that? Because we all just assume those two guys have made the team. Am I supposed to read into that that one or both of them is right near 52 or 53 on the roster if they start making moves? For me, I I just think that is Cliff, what he just said right there. I wouldn't read too much into it. I just think it's telling the truth in regard to the 1 o'clock cut down. 
and the fact that it's very, very fluid, and I can't comment on any of it because I don't know if I can be definitive on any of it. Cl- Cliff Notes really is the perfect name for a it segment is. where you play Cliff Kingsbury quotes because they're all like 10 seconds long. Uh, they asked him about Daryl Williams' preseason performance. This is still up in the air, Wolf. Is Daryl Williams on this team? Are they keeping five backs? Are they keeping him and not keeping Jonathan Ward? He's been good. You know, I remember um, talking to Patrick about him, you know, when we were looking at him. And the thing he said was, I loved having him out there because he always knew what to do. And he said he'd help me with the mic calls. I mean, that type of cerebral player. And, and that's what we've seen. The ball always goes to the right place when he's carrying it. And protection-wise, he's outstanding and really good in the pass game, catching out of the backfield. So he, he's been a true pro, and I'm glad we have him. He was talking about Daryl Williams? Daryl Williams, yeah. Oh, okay. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Who did you think he was talking I, about? Okay, can you read into that? I, you know... Can you... I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad we have him. He did not have to say that. I'm glad we have him right there. He did not have to say that. He didn't, but he also uh, didn't have to say Josh Rosen's our quarterback and then have him get moved like a week later when he first got here. Yeah, but this isn't today. He didn't say that on a day where it's cut-down day. There's a lot of people who believe Daryl Williams is going to be cut. Remember that? Yeah, uh, I had a hard time believing that, still on the of team course. Yet. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I know. That would be a shock. I, I said earlier, outside the running back room, I don't know that there's much left that they could do that would shock me. But honestly, anything they do in the running back room is going to surprise me a little bit because we know Eno's here. Eno spoke today after practice. We know James Conner's here. What else do we know? If they keep five, that's surprising. If they let Daryl Williams go, that's surprising. If they let Jonathan Ward go, that's kind of surprising. If they let Keontae Ingram go, I'm going to be unhappy. There's no way. There's no way, man. That guy. I love that kid. That kid really, really played well in the preseason. And I'm not just talking about running the ball hard and doing it well in between the tackles. I'm talking about, man, his blitz pickup was sweet. Uh, one more from Cliff. They asked if there's one position group that kept him up last night. I mean, they, they all do after those conversations. It's a, it's a tough, tough day. And um, you just think about a lot of the guys that you've worked with and spent a lot of time with. Um, and, and you probably won't see him again. And, and that's never fun. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys you'll see again on the practice squad. But uh, Trace McSorley right now is out there if another team needs a quarterback. And teams tend to need quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. Nobody's picking him up to start, but he's out there now. I was surprised by that. Trace McSorley, anybody that has listened to this broadcast over the last few weeks, you know that I thought Trace McSorley, I thought we were going to keep three quarterbacks again. The Arizona Cardinals were going to keep three. Of that, there was no doubt. Because we've never seen a number three quarterback play this well in the preseason like we saw Trace McSorley. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we'll get Dave Pash's thoughts as the rosters get trimmed down to 53. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I think Buda Baker, man, he's one of the most explosive players in the league. And we've got the Buda rule. Someone block Buda. Looks over the middle, throws. Picked off by Buda. That's it. Buda saves. Buda Baker is the guy. He is the guy that everybody looks to. Just the way he plays the game sets the tone for everybody. You'll see. The world will see today. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now.
Yeah, Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now with Dave Pash, who is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Dave, we don't have a definitive roster yet, but we've seen some of these guys start to get uh, to show up as as cuts. How are uh, how are you doing today? And and um, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to now? Trying to figure out what what this team's going to look like going into this season. My guess is rubbing it in Wolf's face of how wrong he was. Uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, first of all, I think the reason it's taken so long is I think they've adopted Wolf's new rule of cutting down to 73 players rather than 53. <laughs> Just everybody makes the roster. <laughs> oh, my goodness, David. Where do you begin, though, in regard to the cuts, the surprises that may have happened already? Well, I, I guess I'm not really surprised. Um, and I also think there's probably going to be a couple more. You know, one thing to keep in mind, if, if a veteran is cut, there are certain veterans who are vested and therefore not exposed to waivers. So it could just be a situation where you might see a name or two that surprises you that, uh, you know, is going to be brought back once someone is put on injured reserve. Because uh, you have to place someone on IR first. So there may be some. They may. There's going to be some names I think there that you know the Cardinals are not done dealing with, and some of that could be just coming back to the practice squad. Some of it could be the active roster. Uh, if the Devon Kennard rumors are true, you know they got to get him back on the practice squad. It's not like he he is done in Arizona. You can get him back on the practice squad and activate him on game day. Uh, so, I, I, and that could be one of the reasons. There still could be some other moves that are being finalized with the league, and that's why the roster isn't out yet. Talking to Dave Pash, uh, Dave, the receiver room has been one that we've been focused on here for a little while, and it sure seems like Andy Isabella and Greg Dortch are both going to make this team. There's also a decent chance they may need one of them to make some plays week one against the Chiefs, depending on Antoine Wesley. And, you know, Rondell Moore is is in year two. Like, there's some uncertainty really behind Hollywood Brown, who's never played a game for the Cardinals. So, in your mind, if if they had to go, if Isabella or Dorch were to make an impact in, in week one, do you see one as, as having stood out ahead of the other? Well, Andy had a great camp. I think, I think Greg Dorch, what you've seen the last couple of years from him is pretty consistent in, in preseason and in practice. You know, I know Andy was upset, uh, in his, you know, great interview that he had with Paul Calvisi. Uh, but look, uh, you know, Andy didn't play well. He's a second round pick. He's supposed to be, supposed to be producing a lot more than he has. So uh, I don't, I don't see it like his, he sees it maybe that the Cardinals, according to him, turn their backs on him. He, he didn't play well. Uh, but I would be surprised if he's not on the roster unless he's traded. I, I think he'll be on the roster. And I think you know, I wouldn't be surprised if five running backs are on the roster and two quarterbacks. Um, you said that for me. Probably... You? you said that for, for me, the five running backs on the roster. <laughs> you said that for me, didn't you, David? Well, if he just would listen to me and stop always trying to argue, you know, things would go smoother. <laughs> I just can't even believe it. It's mind-numbing right now to think that's a possibility. David, can I ask you about Trace McSorley? Were, were, were you surprised at all about Trace McSorley being caught? If that's true and he's caught and when this uh, press release goes out of his name's on there, no, not surprised. Uh, look, I think... There are a lot of coaches who want, on the offensive side, want a third quarterback on the active roster. And my guess is there are a lot of people in personnel that say, you know what, we're good with two, and we can get Trace McSorley or 
Garantano to the practice squad if McSorley signed by somebody else to to an active roster, which I don't I don't think would happen. I I think you can get away with two on the active roster and one on the practice squad. So no, it doesn't surprise me. The good news, if that's true, if Trace McSorley is indeed released, that tells me Colt McCoy is healthy, uh, which is great news because obviously there was some concern uh, during camp. So that that I think is part of what plays into this if the decision is just to go with two. Talking to Dave Pash, Dave, I know this is going to be a, a kind of a tough question to answer because we don't have certainty yet on who is even on the team, but they made the trade for Trayvon Mullen earlier today. How how active do you expect them to be even when we get this 53-man roster? Very. I, I think they've been active. I think the Cardinals, look, they've done as good a job as anybody in terms of and I mean this in a positive way, sometimes the word manipulating has a negative connotation, but in a positive way, manipulating the roster for game day transactions, whether it's getting a guy to a practice squad, elevating him for game day, moving a guy to IR, temporary IR, to try to position to get somebody else, to get them off another team's active roster, onto your active roster, or from another practice squad. I mean, they're constantly looking to to make these moves that maybe go under the radar. Obviously, the Trayvon Mullen deal, that's a big deal. It's a former second-round pick. You didn't give up much for him. He's coming off an injury, uh, but the hope is, you know, that it's different. The result is different than Josh Jackson. That's the hope. Another second-round pick that it just wasn't going to work out here. He he clearly is not the player that people thought when he got drafted. I I think it's different with Trayvon Mullen. I, I think the injury... And clearly, the new brass for the Raiders wants nothing to do with anybody selected by the previous regime because they're just cleaning house with guys that were picked by Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Boy, that is interesting. That's a good observation right there, David. Well done by you. When you look at the offensive line, do you feel good about the offensive line going forward? We talk so much about the skill position, of course, for the Arizona Cardinals on the offensive side of the ball. But, man, that offensive line has got to be good enough to allow your talent, your skill, to do what they do. How do you feel about the offensive line going forward? Wolf, I, I feel good in, in the sense that there's a lot of experience up there. The, the concern is with guys who are a little bit older is can they make it through the year? Can Rodney Hudson, Justin Pugh, Kelvin Beecham, can they get you through the year? The, you know, with 17 games, I think you said this, Wolf, on the air the other day, and I, I agree 100%. For whatever reason, going from 16 to 17, even though it's only one additional game, it feels like a lot. Like, yep. it feels like a bigger ask to have some of these older offensive linemen make it through. The good news with an acquisition like Cody Ford, you've got somebody you can play and play well if somebody's not available. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's depth there. Let's see what happens with the cuts. But I do feel like they've got depth on the O-line. My guess is they're still looking like corner is an obvious one, but I, I have to think they're also still looking at offensive linemen out there. Talking to Dave Pash, Dave, this team obviously is built to win with offense, at least on paper, and it's been well documented that most of their resources have gone into the offense. Are you worried at all about the defense with the season only a week and a half away now? Well, certainly when you look at the, the lack of depth in the cornerback room, let's see with Trayvon Mullen what the deal is. I'm guessing, again, the Cardinals liked him coming out, and 
you know, if it doesn't work out, uh, you gave up a late round pick. But uh, I'm assuming that they traded him, uh, traded for him to be a factor right away. So, uh, you know, I, that that obviously improves the room, but still, there's some question marks there. But man, you've got some star power uh, on that defense still. Uh, Buda Baker, you guys, you know, had him there in the open before I came on. Uh, but also Jalen Thompson, I, I'm really high on him. I think this is the year for Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I really do. I think Zayvon Collins was disappointing in preseason, but you know, it's still year two for him. Maybe he gets out there and 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 finally shows the the physicality that uh, we are hoping for. Nick Vigil is interesting to me again, somebody that wasn't talked about much in preseason because he didn't play, uh, but the Cardinals got him to make up for the loss of Jordan Hicks, somebody who knows how to get lined up and is a good athlete in the middle. And I'm bullish on a lot of these young D linemen, uh, including, you know, Zach Allen, probably in particular. So yes, I'm a little concerned, but you, you know, you draft these guys for a reason, right? I mean, you got to find out and you've seen progress from Richard Lawrence and Zach Allen and Lucky Foto and Jalen Thompson and Byron Murphy, and now's the time. Now's the time for those guys to take it to the next level. David, if in fact the running back room for the Arizona Cardinals is in the shape of a Pentagon, <laughs> I'm going to give you a full apology. Wow. Um, That's huge. Well, no. Wolf, I, I never said, I, I guess I just raised a question, like how do you not keep the five? And maybe, again, <laughs> the cuts will come out, and I'll be completely wrong. But just looking at each individual – Rather than sure. the, the full, you know, the totality of the number and saying, wow, it seems crazy to keep five. Uh, each individual deserves to be on that team because Keontae Ingram is going to go somewhere. He's going to be playing for somebody. Yes. Better just to have him on your roster and have him inactive all year um, than lose him to another team and then watch the guy rush for a thousand yards in two or three years. Do- I think you need Jonathan Ward on special teams. Uh, Eno Benjamin, they clearly saw enough in the spring. Uh, and over the summer to believe that he has taken the next step. And, you know, again, you got Daryl yeah. Williams for a reason. He was productive. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing, his experience. So uh, that's, I guess, Wolf, why all along I just I felt like they were going to keep five. Let's see if they do. We're still waiting. Yeah. This is the longest I feel like ever we've waited for the, no for the actual release. David, thank you so much for your time, brother. Thanks, really appreciate it, as always, big guy. Of course. Any, any you will. See you, Luke. Bye, guys. Thanks, Dave. That's Dave Pash joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. We're sending you and your Wolf Pack to see the Cardinals take on the Raiders in Vegas, courtesy of Circa Resort and Casino in Week 2. Just text Vegas to 620-620 and listen for your name next Tuesday for your chance to win. Plus, qualifiers are going to win tickets to the Cardinals' home opener. That's not bad. That's Vegas to 620-620. When we come back, wild night for the D-backs last night. They are setting up for an encore tonight, too. We'll explain next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. What are you talking to me? Big leagues. We are spent driving in 
the winning runs in your first game. Yeah, Corbin Carroll, what are you doing? Man, it has been a long time. <laughs> the veins are sticking out of the side of my head. I can feel the temple pounding. Whoa. Felt good, though. Felt really good. A little lightheaded right now. I like how we started with a very mellow Weezer song, and then like four seconds in, Maloney's like, nope, that's that. Let's straight to Pantera. How about it? Corbin Carroll deserved that. A little shout out for what he did. I believe for all the prospects the D-backs have called up this season, he is the first one to actually earn the Pantera call-out after his first game, so that's something right there. You're right. Yeah, well done, Corbin. Uh, Last night's game was Madness Wolf to go down seven nothing to have the first batter hit one to the wall that Corbin Carroll has to catch to have the D-backs score 13 unanswered their biggest comeback ever the first time they've ever scored six runs back-to-back innings like that to win the game for him to hit in the winning run that's craziness if you look at tonight for an encore, it's Mikel Bridges' appreciation night. He'll be there playing the Phillies. It's yeah. his birthday. They've, they've been kind of going back and forth with him. Zach Gallon is on the mound, 27 and a third scoreless inning streak. That's that's it, it's still active going into this game tonight. He has a chance. Uh, if he can make it through the first five innings, he'll be number two all time on the D-backs list. I'm assuming Carroll's playing again. I mean, th- this team is they're everything they weren't last year. Yeah, no, it really is just watching them play. I, we've been talking about it for a long time. I don't know how you don't look at the Arizona Diamondbacks and get filled with a lot of hope. And I mean hope that is right before your eyes when you watch some of these guys play. I mean, uh, do you do you think right now Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, Dalton Varsho, these guys, Stone Garrett even, I mean, who knows what they're going to be? They're nowhere even close to what they're going to be. I, I don't think this is the floor. This this is certainly not the floor for some of these guys. What is the ceiling? That's the question you have to ask on all of them. What is the ceiling? What's crazy about it is you were running through the lineup before during one of the breaks, and it's like, okay, well, you know, they could put Carroll out there. They could put Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas. Uh, you know, you can maybe uh, Josh Rojas. You've, Stone Garrett's actually one of the older guys on the team, and he's only 26. The only, older guys in the lineup. But when you start to look at, at who is who's finding playing time for the D-backs, and he's had a hard time finding playing time, Wolf, and he's hitting 391. Yeah, I know. Um, just the future looks so fantastic right now. And then to see what happened. I mean, you just said it right there, Luke. The Diamondbacks had the largest comeback in team history. Team history. Good time to do it because I feel like a lot more people were watching and listening to that game last night. Yes, it occurred last night, and it just happened to be in Corbin Carroll's first game as a Diamondback. And he was right in the middle of that comeback. He was right in the middle of it. As a matter of fact, he was the guy that drove in the runs. This game will find you. And there he was in a 7-7 game (laughs) in the fifth inning, right? 7-7 game. Bases loaded situation comes through with a oppo double. Swing and a floater. There's his first big league hit. It's going to score two. Carroll 
Bell's on his way to second. He's got a two-run double, and the Diamondbacks lead it 9-7. Welcome to the big leagues, Corbin Carroll. Perfectly served out in the left center field, and he's given the Diamondbacks a 9-7 lead. They've come back from a 7-0 deficit. This game will find you, and it found Corbin Carroll, and he produced. The other part of that game that was so strange last night is it, it. it's not like, okay, Baumgartner goes out there and has a bad outing. That happened. But it's not like they fell behind 4 nothing in the first and they were down 7 nothing going into the bottom of the second, right? They were getting no hit for the first three innings. They couldn't touch Ranger Suarez. And then all of a sudden, Cattell Marte just kind of squeaks one past the shortstop on the ground. And there's a couple more, like, grounders through the infield. And all of a sudden, the D-backs had 13 runs. I mean, they they could do nothing to start that game at the plate, and then all of a sudden they couldn't not score runs. Yeah, not score runs. You know what? Um, when you think of of everything they've done and how well they've played, um, also too. I, I I know I keep coming back to this though, but it's Corbin Carroll. It's about Corbin Carroll. It, it really is. It's the Corbin Carroll game, is what I'm going to refer to it as. Everything I'm going to say about Corbin Carroll needs to be weighed, measured, and found wanting. Baseball is a game of large sample sizes, and the evaluation after one game are insidious and insane. But having said that, it took two pitches to get Corbin Carroll involved in the Diamondback victory. (laughs) The very first out recorded was a ball hit to the wall in right field, and there was Corbin Carroll. What are the odds of the seriously? Somebody tell me. I honestly thought he was going to have to climb the wall. Do you wall, not Alec read Thomas into that? Style. Do you not actually read into that and say what is going on here? What are the odds of that happening? I thought for a while because Bumgarner has been such a great pitcher in this league. I thought he was like, let's get the rookie involved. Let's say, okay, how about one to the wall? Or how about a liner at him out there in right field? Let's keep him. Let's keep him alive out there. You're going to have to take. I, I think we're going to have to hold on to that disclaimer for a while. Just to be safe with you, Wolf. I love it, And man. you're probably going to need to put that on your phone and take it to the game tonight since you're going, too. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, should be a fun one. That's, like I said, this is this year's team is everything last year's wasn't because you look forward to the next game here, and we're wrapping up the month of August. All right, that will do it for us here today. Obviously, still no finality on the 53-man roster yet from the Cardinals. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.